Welcome to the Clear Admit MBA Admissions Podcast. I'm Graham Richmond, and this is your Wiretaps for Monday, September 19th, 2022. I'm joined by Alex Brown from Cornwall, England. Alex, how are things going? Very good. Thank you, Graham. So I am pumped. I mean, we have a lot to talk about this week. There's just a ton that's been going on. Um, we almost had trouble recording because on my way back, I was in the U.S. last week, and on my way back, they almost um, they kind of stopped me at security because of my microphone for the podcast because I'd been traveling with it because we recorded an episode when I was in the U.S. and in any event. So we're lucky that this is happening because I almost didn't make it through security well <laughs> to get get on the plane. Um, in any event, yeah, I, as I said, I had kind of a whirlwind week last week in the States and I got to visit Columbia Business School's new building, which was awesome. I was actually really blown away um, by their new campus and new building and stuff. And we've got rankings out from Business Week. We've got <laughs> application deadlines, class profiles. I mean, there's just a ton going on this week. So I guess I just want to ask you, though, what can you run us down? Is there anything important deadlines wise this coming week for people to have on their calendar? Yeah, this upcoming week, um, Ross, Booth, Haas, Cornell um, are amongst the top schools with um, round one deadlines um, um, for this week. Ross sort of leads the way today, actually. Wow. Um, okay. So so that's very good. We also have some interview invites coming out. Um, so that generally sparks a little bit more conversation than on um, uh, on, on, on live wires. So mm -hmm. Duke's early action interview invites are due out on Thursday and ISA's early decision invites are due out um, by Tuesday. Wow. And also, I think, I don't remember when Yale's admissions deadline is, but, you know, with Yale and with Columbia early decision, they're yeah. often, yeah, we start to see a steady flow of interview yeah. invitations. So people should stay, stay tuned. The other thing is we're still running this little survey, which is, I think, I mean, it's a really interesting survey about just people's opinions of business schools. Like, what do you associate? If you hear the word, you know, Yale, what do you think of in terms of academic reputation? What do you think of in terms of brand? So we're running this survey and we need your help. If you're listening and you haven't taken the survey yet, go to bit.ly forward slash MBA brands. And that's all one word, all lowercase and take the survey. It'll just take you less than 10 minutes to fill out. And it's super helpful for us as we gather kind of all this information. So lots of fun. Um, people should tune in and, and take that. The other thing, Alex, you is that, the incentive, you know, Graham, again, Oh, I keep forgetting. I know. Yeah. So yeah, if you take it, if you take the survey, yeah, we're giving out a $200 Amazon gift certificate to one survey respondent. And then we're also giving out 20, $25 um, gift certificates to Amazon as well. So yeah, there'll be a lot of prizes. So chances are, if you, uh, you know, get in there and take a survey, you might get a, get a prize. So um, please do that soon. Uh, the other thing is, Alex, where do you want to start? I mean, do you want to talk about the Business Week Bloomberg uh, rankings that came out? I mean, I know you're you have a strong opinion about those rankings. Should we start there? Sure. <laughs> um, so they came out. I, I know that you know, but in case our listeners haven't seen it, I'll just rattle off the, you know, the top 10. So Stanford was in first. Uh, and then we had a tie for second with Chicago Booth and Harvard. Uh, coming in at number four was Kellogg. Then we had Dartmouth, MIT, Wharton, Columbia, Darden. And rounding out the top 10, a new entry to the top 10 for this year for Bloomberg is Yale. So those are the U.S. kind of top 10. Any initial <laughs> thoughts or reactions? Well, I mean, yeah, it's nice to see Wharton moved up a couple of spots um, um, relative to the previous ranking for Bloomberg, but it seems a bit odd that they're number seven. Um, they're certainly not the seventh best business school in, 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 in you know, North America or the world or whatever this ranking is based <laughs> on. 
Um, yeah. So, so yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, they got the top 15 sort of correct in terms of the right schools. Mm-hmm. But their order is quite, quite bizarre, quite honestly. Yeah, it's yeah, it is strange, uh, and I, I mean, it's not that different from last year. So you know, when right. we we talked about this last year, but you know, th- yes, a little bit of movement within the top ten. I mean, Yale kind of cracking the top ten. Berkeley, oddly, I don't know what happened, but they were number seven last year, and they fell to number fourteen this year. So I'm not sure, like, which metrics did that? Yeah, which again is ridiculous. We know Berkeley is in that tier just behind the M seven. Right. So, so the idea data yeah. shows that we know that and. Berkeley might even argue that they're comparable to the end of the M7 tier, but nevertheless, that kind of drop is, is, yeah, pretty ridiculous. Yeah. So, you know, and again, most of this stuff is for, you know, to sell uh, impressions or, or magazine copies and stuff. So we always take it with a grain of salt. But I do think it's it's informative to see, you know, for example, as you said, the, the 15 top schools in this ranking are actually really similar to the 15 top schools in the U.S. News ranking. And a lot of these same schools appear in the FT. Obviously, the FT includes international programs, so it's a little more diluted right. in terms of, but, you know, you start to see the same names over and over again. You know you're dealing with very high caliber institutions. But as to the specific ordinal, you know, um, order of, the, of things, yeah, it gets a little silly when with some of these back and forths. But in any event. Um, yeah. Do you want me to rattle, rattle off what the tiers should be, Graham? Just to yeah, remind you can, our listeners. Sure, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when, when you compare U.S. News and, and Bloomberg Business Week or whatever to, to the top 15, you're basically comparing it to what we've defined as, as these particular tiers, which I think... Uh, pretty um, supported by data. Um, but it's yeah. Harvard, Stanford right at the top, Wharton just behind. Then you've got the rest of the M7 in any order, yeah. um, which is Kellogg and Sloan and then and, and Columbia and, and Booth. Right. And then you've got the likes of Haas and Yale and, and Tuck, um, arguably Stern, but then you've got Duke and, 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 and Darden and Ross. Um, and, and you've got, um, Johnson and, 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 and Anderson. Um, I might've missed one. I forget, but I mean, it's sort of, that's your top, I should have listed 16 schools if I didn't miss (laughs) one. I think you did. (laughs) Um, so, so that should be the, the top 16. I mean, you know, these rankings surveys, uh, rankings recently have sort of pushed Anderson out of that, um, top 16 to make it a top 15. But, but generally that's supported by a lot of, um, decision-wide data over several years and and we study and we watch year on year and I think the tiers are pretty um, pretty, pretty accurate Graham. Yeah and this is why I mean obviously everyone tuning in now is, doesn't have admissions results yet but to the extent that when you get admissions results if you share them on decision wire it really helps us to get a sense of these things and to be able to share with our listeners like where things stand so yeah we have you know thousands of entries in decision wire over the years that tell us like where people get in and where they decide to go and it's those head-to-head kind of matchups that help us to understand the tierings of schools so in any event um yeah probably enough said on business week but you know that ranking's out and i don't know what the next one's going to be i guess it'll be the ft i think that's in in january so stay tuned and we'll we always keep on top of these things it's fun to to debate and it always sparks a lot of conversation online that's for sure uh Speaking of facts and figures and numbers and rankings and things, we've got a bunch of class profiles that have come out since we last recorded, which is only a week ago, but it seems like the schools are really releasing their profiles um, quickly now. So we've got Harvard, 
Berkeley, and Tuck have all announced class profiles for the class of 24. I'll start with Harvard, and I'm just going to give some facts and figures, and then I'll ask for your feedback, Alex, and we'll just move on and do do all three of them. But starting out with Harvard, the GPA average was 3.7. The GMAT was a 730, with 74% of the class taking that exam. Uh, the GRE was a, average was a 326, and it says here that 30% submitted a GRE. I think that those two numbers don't add up. They add up to more than 100 because some people maybe take both tests, um, which is quite possible. 46% uh, women in the class, which is identical to last year. 38% international, up 1% from last year. And of the U.S. population, 52% are minority, although that's the federal minority statistic, which does include kind of, you know, all minorities. So Asian American, Indian American, um, Black, Hispanic, et cetera. About 25% of U.S. admits are Black and Hispanic. The app volume was down at HBS. I think we figured this out. It was down about 15%. They had 8,264 apps versus 9,773 last year. So um, I'll stop there, Alex. Any thoughts about HBS? Uh, well, yeah, their class size is 1,000 again, and this is the last year that they're doing that. Um, it'll be back to 900 for this season. And I mentioned that because during the pandemic, they allowed people to defer. And so this is the second year of those deferrals coming in. So about 100 of the students in this class that I just read the profile for are actually people who were admitted when COVID hit. Yeah, good point. Um, I'd almost forgotten about that, it seems. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so so what does this um, um, suggest to me? I mean, relative to previous years in terms of the makeup of the class profile, um, it, it sounds strong. It sounds like they've got a good class, as they um, generally should, because they're at the top of the heap, right? They're in that first sure. tier. What's really interesting to me, because they're a large program at the top of the table, if their app volume is down 15%, that means that applica applicants to top-tier MBA programs in the US as a whole, that market has shrunk about 15% last year. And I make that case because, again, they're the large program. They're at the top. Um, so there's going to be some variance with other top-tier programs. But I think Harvard is a a great sort of uh, marker for, for the overall market sure. size for top tier programs. So yeah, and, and yeah. we, we kind of know this by looking at other um, class profiles and we've seen some other schools and um, dropping app volume. But if Harvard's down 15%, the entire market's down 15%. Yeah, probably. I mean, we know Wharton was down 50, about 14% as yeah. well. So yeah, so that starts to really support this notion that yeah. volume's down a bit. Um, yeah, so, but... It, well, down a bit, I think we can narrow it down to say it's down 15%. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I and I think you're right, though. The stats are good. Uh, they had 100 people from, you know, that they admitted two years ago. So I don't know what that did for their class composition. But right. in any event, yeah, very strong class, as you yeah. would expect. Outstanding. Over, I mean, yeah. Harvard can afford to be at volume down. Down because yeah. they get the cream of the crop. As long as the cream of the crop volume is higher than the number of seats in right. the Harvard class, they, <laughs> they're going to be fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So moving right along, we've got Berkeley. So Berkeley's average GPA was a 3.64, um, only a little bit below Harvard's, right? And then their GMAT was a th uh, 729, which is up three points from last year. Their GRE average is a 324, up a point. Um, they've got 46% women which is actually up 9% from 
from last year, where they were only at 37. And they have 41% international students, which is up 4% from last year. Uh, they didn't give any data on application volume, so it's a little tricky to understand you know, how they're doing. I will say that there were 291 students in the class last year. This year's class profile says there are 247 students. Wow. So that's a 15% drop in class size. So I'm assuming that that means they may have had a similar drop in application volume. But again, that would be pure speculation <laughs> on my part. But there you have it for Haas. So any thoughts on Haas's facts and figures? Yeah, I mean, like we say, Haas is not 14th. It's in that next tier behind the M7. Right. Um, and their, their sort of surface stats for, for their overall class profile is, is almost comparable to Harvard. Where, where the big difference is, is Harvard's um, class profile goes across a 1,000 folks. Right. Whereas Haas's class profile goes across what you said is 247. And unless they deliberately drop that class size, it's clearly a signal that app volume was down and they needed to maintain that quality, which is great yeah. um, to do because when you go to Haas, you want to make sure that you're surrounded by comparable peers and so forth. So, so yeah, it, again, it's a signal that app volume is down, but they've done a very good job of engineering a great class. Yeah, agreed, agreed. Um, and I, you know, just as an underline to all of this, you know, obviously this year might be a really good year <laughs> to be applying to business school, just given, yeah. I don't think volume's going up this year. I think it's no. going to be flat to down again. So yeah, this could be a great year to be an applicant. So if you're tuning in worried about, you know, your, your admissions chances, this might be a good year. So, um, the last one I've got for you, Alex, is Tuck, uh, at Dartmouth and their, um, average GPA was a 3.52. That's actually just a hair, uh, lower than last year where they were 3.54, but literally we're splitting hairs at that point. Uh, 726 GMAT up a couple of points and they claim 62% of their class took the GMAT. They have an average GRE score of 324 with 38% taking the test. 45% women in the class, which is just um, 45% is down 1%. So it's very similar to last year. And they have 43% international students, up a couple percentage points there. They um, Their class size is actually, well, it's really similar. They have 287 students this year. And last year they had 294. So we're talking about, you know, just a handful of students. So it's not a big change. Uh, but yeah, any thoughts on Dartmouth? Yeah, I mean, again, um, their class profile looks looks good. I mean, it's, it's reasonably comparable again to Harvard and 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 Haas. The GPA is just slightly lower um, yeah. than 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 both. Um, but but yeah, no, it it looks very good. But I speculate again that their app volume was probably down. Yeah. Um, their their class size is down just a little bit. But what's also interesting, and we've made this case before, is you know, your M7 programs, other than Stanford, will have a greater class size than the next tier. And we've, we see this right here. So, so right. the drop-off is quite significant, right? So you've yeah. got 287 or 84 or whatever it is at Tuck, and you've got 247 at, at Haas. That's a big drop-off from, from the class sizes that you'll see at Kellogg and at Columbia and at, at, at Booth and... and 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 so forth, right? And yeah. So so that I always find that interesting. Yeah. The, yeah. the higher the profile program you go to, the the greater number of quality ca um, candidates you'll be doing the MBA with. Yeah. I guess is my point. Yep. 
Fair point. So I know we have some profiles to get into, so I'll just do a couple more things here and then we'll dive in. We did some admissions director Q&As. That series continues with um, Lauren on our team checking in with admissions directors. And so this week we published um, University of Georgia Terry School. There's an admissions director there named Kara Sonier, and she checked in with us. And then we also uh, caught up with uh, Mikhail Elliott, who is the admissions dean uh, over at Washington University's Olin School of Business. So you can check the website to read those. Um, last week, we did an essay event, uh, a virtual event online with Berkeley, Yale, Chicago, Wharton, and Cornell. That was just a, a total blast. And we had like 400 people or more show up and yeah, just a lot of fun. And this week on Wednesday at noon Eastern, I'm going to be again sitting down for a virtual workshop with Columbia, Duke, Carnegie Mellon, UT Austin, and UNC Keenan Flagler. So please come to that event if you want to learn more about those schools and in particular their essay questions. Lots of fun to kind of pick their brains. I, I love asking them questions and yeah, helping to sort of ideally take some of the mystery out of this process for our, our listeners and those who tune in. And then we have another event um, next week, which will be with UCLA, Dartmouth, INSEAD, LBS, and Georgetown. You can sign up for these events on our website or just by going to bit.ly forward slash clear admit fall, all one word, all lowercase. Um, Alex, that's all I've got. Uh, did you have anything you wanted to add before we get into our candidates for this week? I think we should kick home. <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> all right. So first up, this is going to be wiretaps candidate number one. So this is an entry that we received, an ApplyWire entry. The candidate is looking to start school next fall, and they have five schools on their target list. And those schools are Columbia, Harvard, NYU, Wharton, and Yale. So a little bit of a kind of Northeast quarter Amtrak line kind of focus. Uh, they want to start school, as I said, next fall. And they've currently been working at um, in consulting at one of the MBB firms, so either McKinsey, Bain, or BCG. They want to pivot, though, and get into investment banking and then ultimately private equity after business school. And so they have, you know, a number of companies on their target list. I guess for this purpose, these purposes, they, they seem to have listed some uh, PE shops. So they've got, you know, KKR, uh, Evercore, Centerview, Apollo, etc. So, yeah, they have this plan to basically get out of consulting and into finance. Their GMAT score is a 740. And their GPA is a 3.96, so nearly perfect GPA. They've been working for a total of two and a half years, it sounds like. Um, and that was because they first started at kind of a boutique consultancy before moving over to um, MBB. They're located in South Africa, which adds a little bit of a wrinkle because that's kind of an underrepresented part of the world. But Alex, I'll stop there. You had some you know, exchange with this uh, candidate on the website. So tell me what you think of their candidacy and what they might need to work on. Yes. It's a potential superstar in the making, I think, um, in terms of, you know, the numbers are, are outstanding. I mean, I just love someone that's got a, a GPA so, so high because that's <laughs> four years of, of dedication to doing really, really well, right? I mean, obviously their GMAT's good, um, 740, it's above average, certainly of the schools we just highlighted, one of which is Harvard, so it's above their average. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, to, to, to navigate a 396 GPA, I think is absolutely fantastic. They're at MBB, um, you know, that's sort of, you know, they're, they're pro you know, probably high profile um, work experience. Um, and so forth. They, they, 
do some non-profit work. We, we don't know much about that, but they were heavily involved in student societies, I guess, during their time at university, which if you combine with a 396, just means that they're, they're pretty extraordinary. Um, I also think that it's, it's worth noting that um, top business schools like international candidates that have a passion to return to the home marketplace um, on the assumption that they can make a bigger impact in their home marketplace than they would if in, in, a, in, in the U.S. marketplace, um, as it were. Because the U.S. marketplace is generally just much more mature, so it's more difficult to have that significant impact. Whereas um, with their goals and, their, and so forth, I, I think um, they, they, they could illustrate that they have the potential for greater impact yeah. um, by doing that. So, um, you know, two and a half years experience, three years coming in at matriculation, I assume that's certainly on the lighter end. And that might raise a little bit of a concern with one or two adcom, but there'll be one or two adcom that are really going to look at the potential. Um, for a candidate like this rather than the actual. So I think there's, yeah, Graham, I'm pretty high on this candidate, quite frankly. Yeah, I think you identified the only wrinkle which could be, you know, slightly less experience. But, you know, we just talked about the marketplace right now being a bit thin. Yeah. Um, and so I have to think a South African candidate with a 740 and a 396 is going to go to a top business school without any trouble at all. I mean, given, I mean, look, this person's at MBB. By the way, I wanted to ask you, you know, they, they indicate that before MBB, they worked at a small consulting firm and they said, and they said TMT consulting. And I thought, well, yeah. wow, there's another acronym that I have no idea what it stands for. So I did look it up though, just cause I always am, I, I kind of geek out about learning about these things. So, um, it stands for telecom media and technology. So they have okay. this background in, in telecom media and technology. The reason I'm bringing that up is cause I wonder to what extent they might get into banking and then private equity. Um, with a focus on those fields, because those are obviously big time growing fields that, you know, we, we see a lot of business activity around. So I don't know, to the extent that there's, I don't know what they're doing at McKinsey or Bain or wherever they are now, and whether it ties into that. But if they have that thread that's been consistent over the course of their past, then, you know, doing deals for a bank in that domain, that would not be out of the question and might be interesting to have, you know, some kind of an interest there. So in any event, I just mentioned that, but I do think this is, as you say, superstar in the making, a little younger, but probably has the stats and work experience to make it through this year. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I they, 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 their target schools, Columbia, Harvard, Stern, Wharton, um, Yale, obviously it looks like they're targeting being in New York City for right. investment banking for for the for the short term, which I, I think does make a lot, a lot of sense for their long term plan. Get that investment banking experience um, before heading back. Um, I, I, I do think that they need to take a punt at Stanford. I mean, I know that's not close proximity to to New York City, but but why wouldn't they take a punt at Stanford? And in the long run, that's you know, Stanford back in um, South Africa might might well um, play out well also. Um, so so I I certainly would 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 have them consider. And you know, Stanford probably would be one of the programs that that is more sort of um, keen to take a bit of a punt on potential rather than actual. So so yeah, I don't, I don't, I think they should at least look at Stanford. 
Yeah, fair point. Again, yeah, I agree that they must have had this kind of New York focus, which led to that Northeast corridor yeah. kind of clustering of the schools. But yeah, they have good numbers and they might want to, as you say, take a, take a chance, see what happens. Yeah. Um, excellent. All right. So uh, I want to thank that person for sharing their profile. Uh, let's move on, though, and talk about Wiretap's candidate number two. So this is another apply wire entry that you picked, Alex. And again, someone who wants to start school in the fall uh, of 23. They've been working in audit and assurance. So think kind of big four type stuff. And the schools that they're interested in targeting are Dartmouth, Duke, Emory, Ross, Kellogg, UNC, and Darden. They want to pivot into more traditional consulting and potentially even technology. And so they list companies like Bain, BCG, McKinsey, Ernst & Young, A.T. Kearney, PwC. So lots of traditional kind of consulting firms. Their GRE score is a 321. They have a GPA of 4.1. It's out of a five scale. Um, and they, I guess, earned their degree in Nigeria, where they're from. Uh, it was in a quantitative uh, course. I think it was in like statistics or something, very quant oriented. Uh, so they did quite well as an undergrad. They, they mentioned that to us. They've been working for about six years. They're actually not in Nigeria now, they're in London. So they've made the move to London, working, as I said, in audit and assurance. And they want to land in the US. Um, they seem like they're not super picky about where in the US, because they mentioned Northeast, South, Southwest. So they're, they're pretty open. Um, they do state in their note to us that, that they know their test score, that 321 on the GRE, is not terribly impressive, but they did have this you know, strong GPA and performance in statistics as an undergrad. They're also a certified accountant and they're wondering like how much does that weigh in their favor? And the last question they asked, and this one's going to be fun to debate, Alex, is they just asked if people working in, you know, kind of um, audit and that stuff are sort of looked down on in terms of, you know, in the applicant pool, like, are they not desirable for some reason? It's possible, right? Um, you know, if you work in audit or, or in accounting, you're sort of at the back at the back end of sort of making sure stuff happens and happens correctly, and and sort of balancing the books and doing doing that kind of stuff, rather than in a more strategic role where you're actually innovating and client facing and 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 you know strategizing or, or or whatever, right? So so yeah, a strategy consultant on the surface would appear to have probably more attractive type of um, experience than um, an auditor. Um, but then it becomes more about the nuance of the experience as an auditor. Have you um, stepped up, led teams, done some sort of um, work outside of the box, maybe improved some processes or recommended those improvements, managing up and so on and so forth. So it's not black and white, right, Graham? But you know, I think it is fair to say that on the surface, um, it is a little bit of an uphill battle to show that you have the equivalent types of sets of experiences to bring to the table. Yeah. And I just, I mean, their exact quote to us was, I have heard a lot that business schools are averse to enrolling accountants and auditors. And I would say, I mean, I understand what they're getting at. And like you're saying, this potential lack of like leadership or client facing stuff, you know, where you're yeah. just kind of in the numbers. 
But I do think, you know, look, any of these MBA um, classes that, you know, the ones we just talked about in these class profiles, there are plenty of people with this type of background who do go to yeah. business school. So it, it happens year in and year out. So I don't think it's like, a, you know, but, but I agree that they need to figure out a way to demonstrate. And, and, you know, the truth is, is that they got it. Once you ask them about this, they start talking about how they facilitate trainings at work. Um, and, and they're also, they do a lot of tutoring and mentoring outside of work. And so they sound like someone who does have the kind of people skills, you know, we often accountants can be labeled or auditors can be labeled as good with numbers, not with people. Right. So that's, yeah. that they just have to kind of combat that stereotype a little bit, but what do you make though of their chances? I mean, they're, you know, they have this sort of lower test score, the GPA is better, but yeah, I mean, are you, are you concerned about their chances? I mean, granted their school target list has got a nice range, but what do you think of that? Yeah, I mean, quite honestly, they're not being overly ambitious with their school targets. And as you say, it's got a nice range. They've got a one, um, maybe two, one M7. Um, then sort of the bulk of their targets are in the top 16 and even one or two outside of the top 16. So I do like that range. Yeah. Um, I, I will point out that two of the schools on their target list are in the Midwest, and that's the one region of the U.S. Yeah, they that they've list. decided they don't want to be in after the MBA. So yeah. maybe they need to just um, um, look at that a little bit more. They are going to plan to retake the GRE um, in December, and they're going to split their apps between rounds one and round two. So in round two, they're going to have potentially a higher GRE score, which would be helpful. Yes. Um, being a Nigerian candidate applying out of um, London, I don't think there's any urgency for them to being in round one other than getting decisions earlier, seeing where they're mm -hmm. at and so on and so forth. Um, but nevertheless, so round two with a slightly higher GRE score, that certainly can be um, um, quite helpful, Graham. Yeah, I agree. I think, um, yeah, they're not going to be overrepresented in the pool. I mean, I, yeah, I actually really find it quite fascinating that they've had this experience of growing up and probably studying in Nigeria, but then working now in London. So I think they would add a lot to the classroom in terms of these types of experiences. Yeah. So yeah, I, I like the range of schools they're considering. I do think you're right. There's no urgency, although it sounds like maybe they've already applied to a couple. And so they're going to retake the test and submit that We'll see. I mean, what may happen is that they get a better score and that works really well for the schools they apply to in round two. Um, and they may get less great results in round one, but we'll see. I mean, you never know. They might be waitlisted and the waitlist could be waiting right. for another score. So that could help them too. So we'll, we'll see how it goes. But I, I think they have a potentially solid candidacy for the schools on their list. Um, take retaking that test though, will be helpful, especially if they boost the yeah. score. Yeah. Um, all right, so I want to thank them for submitting their profile and, and also just for engaging on the site. It's great to have these conversations and to tease out additional details from candidates. Uh, but let's move on and talk about Wiretap's candidate number three. So this is a candidate who, again, is looking to start in the fall of 23, and they're applying to Berkeley, Michigan, Kellogg, Rice, UCLA, and USC Marshall, oh, and Yale as well. So they've got seven schools on the target list. They've been working in higher education, and they actually mention um, that they do kind of uh, digital marketing communication strategy for the development office at a top liberal arts college. So really different kind of profile um, from what we normally might see working in higher ed. Um, they want to get into consulting or maybe venture capital. So in the short term, they've got Bain, BCG, Deloitte, Ernst & Young, McKinsey on their list. Their GPA from undergrad is a 3.27. 
They've been working for four years. They're based uh, in California, and they would love to either land in LA or Oahu um, after business school. And the reason they have Oahu on the list is because I believe they are of Hawaiian descent. Um, Alex, you had some exchange with them, and before I, before I ask you to kind of review their profile and, and tell me what you think, I wanted to mention that they left a note in their, in their profile when they posted it, and they said, Hi, Alex and Graham. I've been listening to the podcast for three years now, learning more and more about the MBA application process over those years. So I wanted to thank them. That's got to be the record. I can't, I mean, I don't I don't know if anyone else has listened for that long, so hopefully they've... Have we had the podcast for three years? I think we maybe I, that have. That would be my question. Yeah, because yeah. I, I think we actually have, because this is the, I mean, I, not that I uh, keep track or anything, but this is the 167th episode of Wiretaps, because I always have a little note in my file when we make a new episode, so I guess that does equate to, you know, 50 so, 52 episodes a year. So yeah, so we've been doing these for, gosh, that's a lot of episodes and a lot of candidates profiled. So with this candidate who listens, who we've just <laughs> talked about is, you know, hopefully like, a, a, you know, this is like a test of whether or not the case method style of learning about MBA admissions <laughs> works. Um, but talk, talk us through their profile because they've done some things that I think suggest that they have learned quite a bit. Um, but yeah, tell us what you think of their background. Again, 327, they haven't taken a test yet, but they're aiming for a 330 on the GRE working in higher ed. Yeah, what do you make of this candidacy? Yeah, the, I, I, th I think um, there's there's a lot of potential here. I mean, obviously, their, their work experience is slightly different in higher ed, yeah. um, fund, fundraising in higher ed, and, and so on and so forth. But it looks like they've done well doing that. So that's very good. Their GPA is, is going to be lower than the median of the, the schools that they're targeting. So that's a little bit of a concern. So what have they done about that? They're just about to complete MBA math. So that's the right, right thing to do. Yeah. Um, and they're targeting a GRE score in the sort of high 320s, 330. If they do that, that's going to be really, really helpful. Um, and, you know, basically targeting above average for the schools that they're thinking. Then, then I think they've sort of mitigated this lower GPA. So the MBA math plus a higher GRE, absolutely fantastic. Um, so and it looks like, you know, not only, you know, at work, but they've done some really good things outside of work. They've obviously been quite integrated into the MBA culture, the sort of pre-MBA culture that they're, they're part of the um, MBA consortium, I think. They've, they've, they've run a, a diversity MBA conference um, or at least sort of participated and, and sort of co-directed. Um, they, they're, they're a... a um, a, a a Riordan fellow, which you know is is a relationship with uh, UCLA um, Anderson, um, so they've done a lot of the right steps. Um, so so I'm very keen on that too. I think that um, behooves really well. Their short term goal coming out of the MBA makes a lot of sense. Get some business experience through consulting. So so for you know business experience through consulting. I'm very queasy about their long-term goal because we know how difficult access to venture capital is, um, especially without a strong sort of finance background. That said, I did push, push them a little bit on this and they, they have a real passion and interest in doing stuff related to 
um, Hawaiian culture and Hawaiian ownership of land and business on the island. So I think if they could reorient their long-term goal more closely and align it to that, rather than just explicitly talk about venture capital, I think that storyline will play really well with Adcom. Yeah, I agree. I, you know, it's funny. So I, I too, when I saw the GPA, I was a little concerned, right? And then I recalled them saying that they are currently working in higher ed at a top liberal arts college. And I realized, wow, a lot of people working at top liberal arts colleges sometimes went to those top liberal arts colleges. And so I did a little digging on this person and found out that they did go to a very, very good um, liberal arts college. So, and, and the reason I mentioned that is because I think there's a little bit less grade inflation at some of these top liberal arts schools. So a 3.27, um, you know, is still, it's within striking distance. And so I, I feel like the combination of that with MBA math and with a solid result on the GRE, which they claim they're, you know, aiming for, that could kind of help them clear the academic hurdle and, and be qualified um, for these top, you know, kind of programs. I do think that like you say, the goals could be really fascinating in so much as the long-term plan ties in some of their Hawaiian roots and, um, you know, allows them to, to think about, uh, you know, kind of impact type investing or things like that. So, yeah, I think it's all doable, especially with a pivot into consulting to start, right? So, yeah, I, I, there's a lot to like here. I mean, it's kind of un, an unfinished package at this point because they don't have the test score and they're still kind of formulating or refining those career plans, at least for the long term. So, but I, I think they could get into these programs on their list. And I, you know, again, would love to see the test score before counseling them further. But for now, everything seems to add up to me and I, I'm feeling pretty confident for them. And their school selection, I, I believe, orients them towards wanting to remain on the West Coast. That's correct. Um, yeah. Which, which makes perfect sense. Um, they've thrown Yale in there. I mean, clearly Yale's sort of focus on nonprofit. Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it, it is historically a nonprofit um, program, right, before it became the MBA. So, so there's a little bit of um, legacy to that, mm -hmm. that that probably makes it appealing. Um, but yeah, maybe, um, you know, they've got Kellogg in there in terms of M7. Should they think of another M7 just to sort of spread their, 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 their risk and, and target a higher profile school or not, Graham? Yeah, well, I mean, I'll tell you right now, if they get a 330 on the GRE and, you know, can, yes. can tell this really interesting story about short term, you know, pivoting to consulting from this higher ed role and then long term, some type of impact investing or, you know, helping to... Um, you know, kind of further the uh, kind of, I guess, further the progress in Hawaii with respect to land ownership and, you know, all that stuff, then, you know, why not apply to Stanford? I mean, it's kind of an interesting, yeah. I can already hear what matters most to you and why kind of storyline coming out. So yeah, they could definitely look at, you know, or a Wharton or... You like that essay, don't you, Graham? You, you <laughs> have admitted you. it to me directly. But. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but anyway, no, I think, uh, yeah, there's a lot to like here. I mean, this is an interesting yeah. candidate. And I, you know, again, they've, they've done a lot. There's a lot of outside activities, yeah. et cetera. So yeah, I, I just think um, they got to buckle down, get that DRE score, I presume, you know, there's no rush for them to be, did they, they're waiting to apply in the second round. Is that correct? Because they need the test. I believe so, because yeah. they haven't got the GRE. Yeah. And I, I do think this candidate and, and even the first candidate are really good examples of, um, you know, what are ADCOM truly looking for? 
Look at the mission statements of all the top programs. They're looking for global leaders that will make impact mm -hmm. um, in whatever area they've chosen to pursue. And I think this candidate can, can certainly do that with their focus on Hawaii and culturally and so, so on and so forth. As long as they're, you know, they're, they're not just sort of inventing that story and it is something they're truly passionate about. And I think the first candidate can do it with sort of investments into South uh, Africa, South Africa yeah. and, and so forth. That's what, you know, ADCOM are keen to tease out yeah. because in effect, that's what increases the brand of the school. Yeah. Now I'm going to throw a curveball at you because I've, as I think about this candidacy, I had one final thought and then I know we need to wrap because we're running long on today's episode, but you know, they, they talk about being passionate about, you know, endowments and impact investing. And, and there has been a movement within the kind of um, university endowment sector to kind of move all that investment of the endowment towards, you know, sustainable, socially responsible type investments. You see that happening at a lot of liberal arts colleges um, and, and beyond. And so I, I do wonder if like, wow, would it be interesting if this person... I don't know, maybe went and did something finance related to kind of shore up those skills and then went back to actually manage, like maybe their job would be to manage the endowment of a university or something. So they could take a completely different path, um, potentially, that would allow them to focus on related work to what they've been doing, but to go to business school to get the needed skills and kind of finance and management and, you know, all that stuff and maybe do some work in that domain afterwards. But again, that might, you know... I might be throwing a wrench in the works, but I just was thinking about that as another possible path for this individual. Absolutely. But choose one right. or the other. <laughs> right. Don't, don't yeah. say I've got these two short-term no, goals no. in mind and say I, it's either investment banking or, or consulting. That would be a complete yes. um, no, no. So yeah. select one or the other. Yeah, agreed. Um, and, but yeah, there might be um, a, a, a case for that, Graham. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Yeah. Um, in any event, I did want to thank them not only for sharing their post and engaging in some conversation with you on the site, but also for listening to so many episodes of the podcast. They probably deserve a, a medal or a, a t-shirt at least. But especially if they've listened to 42 minutes of this podcast too. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, all right. So Alex, thanks for picking these out. Uh, we'll be back in one week's time to do it all again. Please remember if you're listening to rate and review this show um, and yeah, spread the word. But thanks a lot, Alex. I'll talk to you next week. Very good. Take care, everyone. Stay safe.